Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As an advocate and promoter of women's empowerment, rights and equality, it's safe to say Brissa Fernandez-Schmidt is passionate about helping women tap into and make the most of their potential. As the executive director of the charity Women for Women International UK and vice president for Europe and external relations, she's also the chair of the Gender Action for Peace and Security Network, a frequent commentator on the challenges women face all over the world, particularly in the context of poverty and conflict. Britta also works as a coach to support women to find what she calls their fierce, something summed up in the title of her new book, Fears to Fierce. A Woman's Guide to Owning Her Power. Welcome, Britta. I, I've got a pen, a piece of paper. I'm going to be taking notes. I am all ears. How lovely to have you with us today. Oh, thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. I'm thrilled to be here. I can't wait to talk to you. How are you? How are you coping in these challenging times? The end is in sight. Um, are your, is your mental health intact after a year of lockdown? Oh, I mean, whose is, is my question, right? Yeah. I mean, I um, what I've noticed is that I've definitely doubled up on my uh, care regime as it were because I just feel like this these last few weeks are going to be uh, like a like a, at the end of a marathon um, but I'm excited about being able to go out again so it's been it's been hard you know it's been hard yeah. well look, let, let's go back long before lockdown and talk about um, your earlier years in life you were born and raised in Germany but at 15 you moved to Venezuela perhaps you could start there um, you've talked about how you then grew up um, exposed to some really harsh inequalities and injustices, especially for women. What was your life like growing up in Venezuela? And what was the life like for women you saw around you? That's a big question. Yeah, exactly. No, it was, you know, I think um, many of us, when we look back, um, particularly in those formative years between 12 and 16 or something like that, um, you remember certain moments that really changed your life and, and, and impacted you in ways that are still reverberating today. And for me, moving to Venezuela was that moment because obviously I came from Germany in a very, very protected upbringing and um, and found myself in a country affected by extreme poverty. And I had never witnessed that with my own eyes. And it was really shocking, just absolutely shocking. You know, as a 15 year old, you don't necessarily maybe have the language, or at least I did not at the time. And I didn't know the statistics. All I did was I saw the poverty and and I and I saw the, the wealth that existed alongside it as well. And, and I just thought to myself, so how is this possible? Why is this happening? You know, why do people have to live in cardboard boxes? Why? And so all these questions were um, stirring around in my mind. And then at the same time, I was also seeing how that poverty was disproportionately affecting women. 
the women that I met in my life, you know, whether there was the woman who worked in our home and, and helped our family or whether it was other women I would see, um, you know, out and about. I saw how they were carrying this extra burden. And obviously now I know that 70% of the poorest are women and that they are the ones who kind of keep families going. At the time, I wow, didn't. Wow, is it 70%? That's, that's 70%. Incredible. Um, I know. And it's a, this is a World Bank statistic. So so we know. We know the fact that poverty is affecting women disproportionately. And, and that obviously is because of the discrimination that um, women experience um, through society. And, and could you see in Venezuela that it was the women that were more affected than the men? At that point, was that evident or was it just sheer poverty that was so shocking to you? No, exactly. So I saw, I saw how it was affecting women um, specifically and how women were the ones who would look after the children and hold down several jobs in order to earn some income. And also how men often were not taking responsibility for their children. In fact, the woman who worked in my home and I write write about that in my book um, Gladys she had four children from four different men because each time the men would just leave her and leave her to fend for herself and there she was looking after four children and just this immense strength you know and this came at the time when in parallel I was growing up and I was I guess becoming more conscious about my gender and um, and how that experience of being a woman and a girl differed greatly from my brother who was only 18 months younger than me you know and I and and, and so all of that together just created at this this moment when I thought oh, wow I actually cannot believe this you know that outrage as to like why um you know why do women have to put up with this and why and did, did you, know, you really feel that at that age Britta did you yeah. did you have this sort of feminist voice yeah. inside you where do you think that came from yeah do you know I, I genuinely just think it came from an innate like waking up to the reality of I mean I remember this moment when I was sitting at the dinner table and my father said to me you know go and help your mum tidy the table and my brother was sitting right next to me <laughs> and, and I, it was just you know it was just like um what about Alex because I can't, yeah. it didn't even really it just, just didn't compute I'm like what is going on here and so that so I didn't know that that is you know what a lot of people feel and then call themselves feminist right so I didn't have the terminology I just yeah. had the outrage and the injustice right that that kind of fire within me so yeah that was absolutely I remember it so vividly and then very quickly I remember also feeling really weird because I couldn't see anyone else feeling in that way I didn't see anybody you know going out on the street and saying this is wrong so I'm, I was thinking maybe there's something wrong with me you know, and that's often what happens yeah. to us, I think, right? It's funny that, though, isn't it? When you, you look around and you're like, why is no one else speaking up? You know, why aren't there any economists speaking up about this? Why aren't there any? And I'm thinking, is no one else noticing what's going on right now? It's quite frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. It's hard mentality. That's what I blame. What was life like in Venezuela? Did, I mean, what, what took you there? Was it one of your parents' jobs? Yeah, so both my parents um, were teachers and they wanted to uh, teach abroad. And obviously there are many uh, German schools and international schools and American schools, etc. Um, around the world. And um, yeah, and so my father was offered a job at the German school in Caracas. And, and that's how we that's how we came to, to, to Venezuela, which was, I mean, you know, just at the time, obviously I was 15 and I didn't really want to leave Germany. I just had my group of friends, you know, yeah. I was settling in. And so I was very apprehensive about it. But um, obviously it turned out to be 
be definitely one of the best things that my parents did because it it gave me a completely different life than the one that I would have had if I had stayed in Germany. It was it was an extraordinary experience and um, not only just because of the beauty of the country, but also being exposed to a completely different culture yeah. and a different reality and 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 really and it just got me thinking and I haven't stopped thinking about it and that's obviously why I ended up doing what I'm doing now. It's amazing how living somewhere else in the world opens your eyes and how sheltered you can be when you just live the same life as the generation before you and how long did you stay there talk to us about what brought you to England and and the path I guess from from Venezuela to here. Yeah so so my parents stayed there for seven years but I actually graduated from school there after five years so in 1990 I graduated so then I didn't really want to leave Venezuela (laughs) and then my parents were like well you know we we think it would probably be a good idea if you went to a European um, university uh, just because you know in the future it will be more acceptable I mean I don't actually really know what the what the reasons were but perhaps also they weren't quite sure how long they were going to stay in Venezuela so I ended up coming to the UK to study because I didn't really want to go back to Germany that was the year of the German reunification so there was a lot of upheaval in Germany and um, and so my parents suggested why don't you go to to the UK and had traveled there a couple of times over the summer holidays and I'm like okay <laughs> I mean I did you know I mean a lot in my life I've just like okay yeah okay let me do that <laughs> and um, and so I ended up in the UK and um, you know and, and started studying um, literature and um, and then eventually moved on to doing a master's in in women's studies where did you do that I did at the University of Sussex I mean you know that was just a wonderful experience but I guess up until that moment I still felt that there perhaps was something wrong with me and it was joining a course that was about the very outrage that I felt and bringing me together with a few other women because at the time women's studies was still not something that was very acceptable it was very much yeah. like you know something something new something different and um and it, it was uh, slightly but... the anthropology criminology exactly it? It, was, it was in that place exactly you go to a student union have a beer or whatever and people are kind of oh so what do you study I'm like oh I'm doing a master's in women's studies oh <laughs> you know, like, oh so you're a feminist I'm like yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, that's a that should not be an insult. <laughs> Should no, be, no. you know something good but yeah it was there were lots of talks with Jermaine Greer and people of that nature were there yeah so we studied a lot of exactly a lot of like feminists that came before us and that was actually really empowering because I hadn't realized how obviously there had been a whole generation generations before me who had felt that same outrage and and on the one hand that was depressing because you know it kind of in comparison not that much has changed but on the other hand it felt really um, reaffirming and 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 I understood that there was nothing wrong with me that I felt yeah. this outrage in fact it was a it was a power that I could use to propel change and that is what I've been trying to do and 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 also I learned how important it is to find your tribe you know Georgie because you you don't you can't do these big things on your own and you don't have to there are always if you look for them there will always be people who share your passion so maybe your mm. listeners are listening right now and they are reminded of what they feel really passionate about and maybe you haven't done anything about that for a while because like me feel that you know there's no one else feeling like that but if you go out there and you start talking about it you will find others who really care too and that's really powerful so true so you left the University of Sussex having done women's studies what was your plan and what did you go on to do (laughs) 
<laughs> I love this. Exactly. This is the other thing, right? I, di I didn't have a plan. And I think I know now it's a thing, you know, where we say live in the moment. That was not a thing at the time when I was going to university, but it was what I did. I just always have had this instinct to just live in a moment and to enjoy this moment. And so I have, I've never been someone to have like a five year career plan or a, you know, it was just like, okay, where am I now? What am I enjoying? Where's, where's this taking me? And so then I graduated and then I was like, oh, okay, what, what am I going to do now? Ah. And so then I started talking to a few people and they said, you know, maybe, maybe you want to go into the not-for-profit sector, like the non-governmental non sector. And I go, mm, oh, that sounds really interesting. And so then I kind of made myself familiar a little bit with organizations and what they do and how they are working you know on behalf of citizens representing their interests and rights and 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 lobbying government and just being this kind of third way and I thought to myself wow I really love that I could not have worked in a in a large bureaucracy that would not have worked for me you know I couldn't couldn't have done that and I and I just maybe setting up something on my own at that point didn't feel right either because I wanted to be part of a, a movement of a group you know have this sense of belonging and at what point did you come to women for women so 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 basically after I graduated, um, I then worked in Brussels for a couple of years with the European Women's Lobby. And that was really interesting, learning a lot about policy and how you influence policy and, and work with policymakers, etc. And then I um, worked for 10 years with an organization called Womankind Worldwide. It's also based in the UK, a wonderful organization supporting women in um, countries affected by extreme poverty. And after I had kind of moved my way up within the organization and developed a lot of new um, areas of work, I, you know, I, I was ready to move on. And that was when women Women for Women International contacted me because they were wanting to grow and set up really their, their organization in the UK. This is 12 years ago and that was a time when, you know, no one really knew about Women for Women International because it's originally a US-based organization. And you know what? It's really funny, Georgie, because I had, I love reading. I'm like obsessed and particularly reading uh, books by women. And I had two years before that, I had read Zainab Zalbi's book. Zainab Zalbi is the founder of Women for Women International yeah. um, in the US and she has written a book called growing up under the shadow of Saddam Hussein. And um, in that book, she tells her story, her life story, and it ends with her setting up Women for Women International. And I, oh, I read it. Oh, wow. God, um, I need to read that. That sounds oh, right up my street. Oh, I mean, you are going to love it. It's fantastic. It's really, really. I would love just, to read her story. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would love it. That was in 2005, just when the book had come out. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, this is it. You know, this is the organization. How can I work with them? What can I do? You know, and, um, and obviously they went the US and my daughters had just been born and they were young and you know I just kind of kept it there in the corner of my mind as an intention and then two years later headhunters wow. contacted me because they were looking for a director for Women for International and uh, and that's how I came to Women for International and amazing like, wow. amazing <laughs> can you tell us a bit more about the charity because you know there are so many charities there are so many great causes this is a really successful charity can you give us an idea of the size of the charity as well because I mean it's it, uh, you've got amazing ambassadors and you work with incredible brands like it's for people listening who perhaps have heard the name bandied around or people raising money can you give them a bit of a picture as to the size of the mission and who's involved, etc. Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, so in 2008, when I started at Women for Women International, we were really just starting in the UK. So nobody knew us and we were bringing in maybe half a million through, um, through a gala. And now we bring in about 
just under 6 million a year. And we have grown really through the effort of a community. And that's what my approach was right from the beginning, to talk to people about the work that we do in countries affected by conflict, where we work with the most socially marginalized and excluded women, women who have experienced many times unspeakable atrocities. I don't sometimes actually know how they keep going, and yet they do. And what we focus on is providing them with really practical support. First of all, we, we find them because by definition, they are the ones who are the hardest to find. They are hiding at home, often in shame because of some of the experiences that they've had, and often because they're poor. And we bring them together in groups of 25. And then we teach them really practical skills. And it's very holistic. So we teach them about their health. We teach them about their rights. We teach them practical skills that allow them to earn and sustain an income at the end of the year-long training. And above all, we bring them together so that we show them that they have social networks and we break that isolation that many of them feel and that is obviously something that holds them back and so I would go out and talk about this transformational work that we are doing in some of the most harshest circumstances and and I would tell stories about the women and how they've transformed their lives and really with the aim of showing that even in the darkest moments you can create change and that the power these women have all they need is a, a space a moment, some support for them to tap into that power and to transform it into change in their lives and in the lives of their communities. Because that's what we know, Georgie, that when you invest in women, you invest in the community. Every woman so we true. train, she trains another five women. Because, you know, when we learn something new, we want to pass it on. It's an instinct that we have. And that's what's, what we what we see every day. Can you give us sort of geographically a case study scenario? Yes. And, and by the way, this podcast is not um, PR for women for women, but it's it genuinely, I think, is really interesting and important that people understand it and also can kind of visualize exactly what it is in real terms. Yeah, exactly. So we work in countries like Afghanistan, Northern Iraq, Democratic Republic of the Congo or, or South Sudan. Or now we've started uh, partnering with an organization in Syria. So these are all countries that you will hear on the news because yeah. of the conflict and the violence. And what you will predominantly hear are all the horrors. And what you don't really hear, you often don't hear about the women. First of all, you don't hear how women are impacted. And secondly, you don't hear about how women keep communities going because life goes on in war and conflict. Life mm -hmm. goes on. And our mission really is to, to, to talk about how that life goes on and the role that women play and how when we support them really practically, when we teach them about their health, about how to cook more nutritious meals, because these are women who've never been to school, many of yeah. them, who, who don't know how to read or write. But with a little bit of skills and some access to resources and we give women cash stipends give them money um every every month that they are in our program they will get around about ten dollars the equivalent of ten dollars um, right. and we do this a because a lot of the women they just need to be able to meet their immediate needs in order to even be able to attend our training course sometimes that's buying school uniforms yeah. sometimes buying uh, health insurance but then we also use this to help them set up a savings account 
around financial literacy and control over resources is key to women tapping into their power, right? I think we all know this. But I quite agree. How can we affect change without financial knowledge? Well, it is power. That's exactly it. And um, and, and so financial you know, control and, and knowledge is power and knowledge per se is power. And that's what we mm. see. So we basically what we do, it's kind of, you know, for your listeners, it's just to imagine it's like a, it's like enrolling in a course. You know, if you want to learn something new, you Google and you find a course and then you learn how to play the guitar or whatever it is. This is life skills. So what we teach are life skills because many of the women have not had even the basic education at the end of the year. And we have, you can see this on our website, there are all the impact data at the end of the year, women on average triple their earnings they feel more confident i mean way more confident than they did before they are more ingrained in the, in their community again they participate in decision making and and so it goes on and this is a year often. with you so so the program exactly. is a year is it and then in the year that's right. amazing they, they triple their earnings that's incredible exactly you you've got some amazing female ambassadors charlotte tilbury alice Temple. i mean the list is long and i think you know for anyone listening the proof is in those incredible ambassadors yeah. I mean, who else is in the lineup? And, you know, it's one of the greatest gifts. And what I always, and I talk to, um, you know, other women, young women who are setting up their own things. And I talk a lot about how I approached it and how I did it. And the most important thing is just to be genuine, be mission focused. What is it that you're trying to do? And then trust that if you speak with authenticity and a real desire to connect, you will find the right people. I mean, I always, I always think about Charlotte Tilbury and how I, when I first met her, I was been invited to be a keynote speaker for a dinner. And uh, there were about 150 wonderful guests, all incredible, obviously a wonderful opportunity for me to talk about my work. And um, at the end of that dinner, Charlotte came up to me and said, darling, what you do is amazing. I want to help you. And uh, and I and I I'm obviously knew who she was. And, and I was, of course, I mean, totally in awe. And I thought, wow, that would just be incredible because Charlotte is a powerhouse in her own yeah. right, let alone her brand, which is just phenomenal. And um, yeah. and I thought to myself, OK, well, that would be amazing. Yes, please. Thank you. And can we meet? And anyway, a few months later she contacted me and she had developed this whole idea and we met and I talked to her all about women for women and she absolutely got it absolutely felt it under her skin and and since then it's been just the greatest advocate and and I know that if you meet her anywhere without me being there and you'll ask her about women for women she will tell you exactly why she supports us and and she's put her money where her mouth is I mean not only does she use her personal voice but her brand has, has supported us and has made this amazing one million pound pledge a year ago you know and it's transforming the work that we're doing so I mean you know that's Charlotte Tilbury but then like you say Alice Temple she was a one like really early on again I met her at another dinner um, and we then met so it's all very very personal with every yeah. single one you know whether it's Miana Boring or whether it's Charlotte Olympia, who I met through an event that we did, and I started talking to her, and in you know, or Monica Vinada, or you know, there are it's yeah. all really personal relationships that are so important to me, and that that is what I so believe in, Georgie. You know, that we can connect and we can share how we feel, and we can find common grounds, and we can join join together. And so it probably looks really grand when you look at it, but from my perspective, it just feels like a family. You know, because it takes us all to create a change that we want to see well i think it's amazing that, and, and clever and cool and forward thinking that you know you work so so closely with these ambassadors and with women in the fashion industry and for people who are listening who aren't future ambassadors perhaps but you know 
know, are connecting with what you're saying? How can your regular women get involved? Thank you for asking that. There are so many ways. First of all, I always say, you know, follow us. Follow us on social media. Have a look at our website and, and just learn a bit more about what we do and see what you think. Then if you like it, there are many different ways. So obviously the one that's closest to my heart but might not be accessible to everybody is to sign up and sponsor a sister. So we, that's what we call sponsor sister. Basically what that is is you help one woman through the program for the year. It's £23 a month and you will get regular updates about what she's learning. You will get a photo of who she is and you also have an opportunity to write letters to her and she may also write back to you if she's able to, if she knows how to write, if, if the staff can help her, if it's safe for her to do so. There are some countries where we can't reveal the identity and, and so on. But the, the key fact is that you create again this direct connection and, yeah. and it's not something you know really intangible that is happening out yeah. there. That's it's, lovely it's, because just yeah. so many charities you hear, you know, yeah. and I'm sure lots of people listening will know that actually funneling that money to the ground is you know, there are bottlenecks and lots of big charities aren't there so that's so nice to feel that you know it's actually going to have an effect exactly that's right but obviously there are also other ways right so we have I mean we have everything from people who run marathons to to do bake-offs and, and also what I often do you know Georgie I can ask people come to me and say I really want to help you I'm like okay that's amazing what would you like to do because that's one that's mm. been like one of my mottos you know I, I invite people in with who they are and the power that they have. And every single one of us has power. You know, you, you don't have to be a Charlotte Tilbury to make a difference. Yeah, right? and so, so true. So it's a, it's a conversation. It's an invitation for you to also find out what would you like to do? Because we are open. I've had a group of women who did this amazing cookbook. I've had a young man who's run a marathon a month for a year and actually did one marathon in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I mean, amazing. And generated loads of press about it. The, yeah. the you know, the sky is the limit. And also, you know, you can get a group of six women together and do a pound each a month. If £23 a month is a bit much for you, then there's other ways to do it, aren't they? Every little really does help. It's the most beautiful thing. And there's a, there's a mm. film on our website called Hope in Sisterhood. And it's, it's yeah, just it's like great. a four minute film that shows you how transformational this connection can be. I agree. Watch it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's a great video. Let's talk about your book, Britta. Fears to Fierce, A Woman's Guide to Owning Her Power. What a brilliant name for a book. So <laughs> strong. Uh, we are so strong as women. Why, why a book? What was the aim? Who are, you, who are you talking to? Thank you for asking me this because I really want to, to, to encourage um, your listeners to, you know, sometimes you, something comes to you, something kind of 
emerges out of your innermost being and kind of pops itself in your head and you keep thinking about it. And this is what's happened with this book because people kept asking me to give speeches at like women's leadership conferences and this and that and asking me like, how did I get to where I am? And da 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 da. And, and so I kept writing these speeches and I kept wanting to say more about every single point that I was making. And, and so it kind of like, mm, I thought, oh, maybe, maybe I'm going to write a book. Maybe I'm going to write a book about what I've learned about how you can own your power even in the harshest circumstances. So if we can take inspiration from some of the stories that I have um, witnessed and we can use that inspiration to also transform our lives and, and, and find meaning and own our power and then transform the world around us, wouldn't that be amazing? Because I also was parallel being approached by women um, as mentor and, and coach. And so I actually then kind of trained as a coach because just in my spare time, because I love obviously my, my purpose is, you know, to, to help other women follow their fears and, 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 and be the, the best version of themselves and, and unfold their potential. And so I thought, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if I wrote a book, I could hopefully reach so many more women and hopefully help them because that's obviously what I want. That's why I'm what I did it. And so it wouldn't go away that idea. And so then I started talking to people about it and then they're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, you should definitely write a book. And have you got an agent? I'm like, oh, what, what's an agent? You know, like literally this is how it was. <laughs> there was actually Jasmine Hensley, who's a, who's a really good friend of mine. And I started oh, talking to her. she's actually, so lovely. She is so lovely and she really encouraged me. And so then I, I embarked on it and you know, it was crazy. I did it in my like spare time, like who has spare time? So, but- um, <laughs> Not you, you know, I imagine, <laughs> Britta, but anyway, you found some. You know, now it's out and it's been out for a month and I've had such unbelievable messages from women, literally young, I mean, all ages, just telling me that what is meant to them and and mm. and that's all that's just everything all women have this strength in them don't they i mean no woman exactly. is weak you know we give birth to children we fight for our children we stand up for our children someone might not think they have this strength but you know we we all do it in us isn't it and you are, i guess you're just really encouraging everyone to find it and harness it and use it and what an what an incredible mission but your book's broken into three key stages can you briefly tell us what they are and how they work. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, this is really important what you just said, Georgie, because that is really the premise of the book is that the change that you are yearning for, that you may maybe feel underneath, you know, every so often it emerges up and, and makes you feel uneasy and makes you kind of feel like there is more. That feeling is your power wanting to emerge more fully because I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with you or that you need to be fixed or all I'm saying is that everything you are desiring is actually already within you. And so it's a very different premise, right? And so on that premise, I then have divided the book into three key um, areas. The first one is about finding meaning. And the other day I was running and I thought to myself, you know what, this thing about meaning, we all want our life to have meaning and we are waiting for someone else to give it meaning, but it will only ever have the meaning that we give it. And so, so that first part is all about um, letting inspiration guide you and find out what really matters to you. So when yeah. you next have goosebumps, what is it? Really go then, ask yourself, why, why do you have goosebumps? Or, you know, why you feel like your heart is fluttering or why you suddenly feel like you, you could just fly because you feel so powerful because when you're inspired, 
inspire that's exactly what it is right you're in spirit you're in your essence in your power and so that's what you want to really harness so using inspiration to then define your purpose and and you know purpose is really different to a career a purpose is about who you as a human as an entire human being want to be and the impact you want to create. So it's kind of find Mm -hmm. out what matters to you Mm -hmm. and then find out how you want to matter to those around you and and in the world. And so that's the first part. Oh, that's a big question, (laughs) isn't it? Okay, that was the first part, the next part. And I have really practical questions and and tips at at the end of each chapter. And is that like sort of what's your legacy? Because I think some, some people want their legacy to be career driven, to be, philanthropic to be motherhood and and that's their their mission i mean is it is it's ultimately about finding what you want your legacy to be and then i guess working it back and going is that a career is that charitable work is that is that sort of what you're saying so that's really interesting and and i understand that that's exactly where our head goes right i'm uh, probably talking about another level and and one of the things that i always think about is that um and this is a, a quote i think from maya angelou you know people will forget what you said and people will forget what you did in terms of job descriptions but they will never forget how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And so I am talking about... It's a about, good quote, isn't it? Mm, like it's that. a gorgeous quote. And and that is uh, what I encourage you know, the reader to do, is to stop and really think what matters to you, what are your values. So not in terms of what you want to achieve, but the, the, the kind of intrinsic values and how do you want people to feel around you or as a result of you so true okay sorry so so that we've done key stage one key stage two (laughs) key stage two is owning your power right because now that you've got a purpose and you know the kind of impact you want to have on others obviously you realize that you are key to that right is you and so how do we in how, how do we own our power like fully step into this beautiful potential that's within us and unfold that and so there are four key pillars that I have um you know that I have realized that has helped have have helped me the final stage is transform your world because what happens and this is the kind of reward for the hard work that it is owning your power where you you revisit those beliefs where you where you tap into who you really want to be even if that means that some people might not like you anymore which is a tough one and there are some really practical ideas as to what you can do about overcoming that fear and tapping into your fears but when you do and when you are true to your fears and you follow your purpose you will see change around you that is beyond imagination and that's when you are transforming your world and that's the reward that comes from the hard work and inverted commas because you're actually starting to see that your purpose is coming to life and and obviously as you can imagine i've got goosebumps just thinking about it there isn't anything that gives you greater contentment and joy than that. It just is incredible. And that's, then, that's when you then have moments of real peace, just knowing that you're exactly where you are meant to be. And this yearning that kind of got you on the journey in the first instance is just quiet for a moment because you've arrived. And that's, that's the journey, the fierce to fierce journey. Love it, love it. What a! Uh, I, I think it, it 
it makes such perfect sense. I hope people listening agree. I hope they're going to go out there and order, order that book because I think it's absolutely brilliant. Can we talk about failure a little bit? I know you consider failure to be a really important thing to go through in life. Why? Why is that? Yeah. Because that, that's why we don't push ourselves, isn't it? It drives me, but it's also my my biggest worry is failing mm. and not wanting to be mm. seen to fail. And, you know, I guess it keeps you going, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? And it's really interesting because I think it links so closely to perfectionism and, mm. and perfectionism is, is, is very much something that, um, you know, you want others to see you as perfect. It's not the, 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 the kind of healthy drive that we all have within us that gets us to work really, really hard. That's really fantastic. And that will, you know, that, and that's within you and that's about you and, um, you know, achieving more for yourself. So the so so in terms of failure, the fear of failure keeps you from actually trying your best. That is what I believe because you you hold yeah. yourself back just yeah. a little bit, right? And it's yes, because you for sure. yes because you're scared of failure. So if you can look at that and you can really help yourself understand that in actual fact, when you look back over your life, the few times perhaps that you've had failure. You survived because you're here right now. And the likelihood is that if you didn't just survive, you actually learned some life-changing lessons. That's why I think failure in inverted commas, again, is, is extremely powerful. I so agree. Can we talk about you as a mother to two daughters? I'm also a mother to two daughters. I think mine are oh. uh, a bit behind yours. I know mm. yours are quite grown up, but yeah. um, what... What values do you think we should be instilling in our in our daughters? I mean, and our sons, because you know, men have a big part to play, and we are not. Sherlock's and I know you'll agree, Britta, we are not out to bash men. I'd be lost without them. Not perhaps not everyone would agree, but I certainly would. But yeah, like, can you talk to us about you know values and children and bringing up the next generation of of women and men? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I mean, first of all, just to say for sure, feminism for me is not about men bashing. And I know there seems to be that um, in many people's minds, uh, there seems to be that equation. Um, that is a that's just one way in which people have interpreted it. It's a belief that I think we need to revisit because it's absolutely not true. Yeah. Femi feminism is a movement to, for achieving equality and we don't have equality right now and so it is about equality. It's not about replacing one oppression with another or I mean I don't know exactly what people think you know feminism is but anyway yes so absolutely this is about bringing up a, a, a generation that will hopefully feel able to approach life differently and not be um, so limited by the incredible gender stereotypes that govern the lives of women and men, right? I mean, we're all yeah. affected by those very rigid uh, gendered expectations that we internalize um, at a young age and then work really hard to kind of get rid of for many, many years, probably a never ending, um, uh, you know, undertaking. Do you know, it's a really interesting question in terms of values and what values you want to instill in your children. This is with the hindsight, like you said, my daughters are 18 and 20 now, and I have learned so much in the last 10 years and, and they have taught me so much. And I think that the most important approach or support that I feel I can offer is by 
being as authentic and open about my own journey and who I am and my hopes and my doubts as I can. And that is something that I've learned, you know, only, as I said, in the last 10 years. And, and I, I do wish that I had learned it a little bit earlier because then I think I would have shared with my daughters more of the times when I've been worried. But I had this strong belief that you had to be strong so that they would feel safe. And now, obviously, and this links to failure. Now I know that that is actually not that helpful because it's much more helpful to show when you're weak and when you're fearful, because obviously they feel fearful. Of course they do. Of course they're out of their depths many, many times. We all are. So for me to pretend that by not sharing that, it makes them feel safer. It's the opposite because they look mm -hmm. at me and they think, oh, she never feels fear. She is perfect. She always does. And that just then reinforces their feeling that there's something wrong with them when there is nothing wrong with any of us, right? We all feel yeah. fear. We all feel inadequate at times. We all fear failure We and all of these good things. So the, so the most important thing is not even specifically instilling any value. It's just having that self-awareness and that, that ability to, to show your children that no one is perfect and that we are all just on this journey. Yeah, mm. so I think that's it. And, and it's about resilience, isn't it? I mean, I had a yes. I had a tough time last year, which I sort of won't go into massively. Um, and, and I definitely had a moment where I was pretty emotional, shall we say. I remember my yes. children being around. My husband was out for a run and I, and I couldn't hold back the tears. And I thought, God, do I run away and shut my bedroom door? And mm. I thought, no. And I, and I mm. said, you know, this is what's happened and I'll get over it and I'll be all right because, you know, mm. I'm strong. But right now, I it does feel shit and but that's mm. life and you've got to learn that this is going to happen to you and there are going to be ups and downs mm. and and that yes. you know we're built of strong stuff and and we and, I, and it was a really that's conscious it. decision for me to gorgeous. actually share it with them and not that's, that's you know not hide it away anyway it's not a therapy session for me but you know no, I, but, but, you talk I such think, sense Britta mm, that's so beautiful Georgie I can't even tell you I had goosebumps I just genuinely oh, that no, God, sorry so, that's not my that's no, not my intention really but powerful. I just you do it's talk really such powerful. sense yeah it's really powerful yeah. that is, is it's the most powerful thing that you that you did there really and 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 you, you feel the same towards men and sons, do you? you Absolutely. Know. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I think about this a lot. The pressure that men must be under to yeah. always be strong and powerful yes. and in control and, yeah, and, 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 and suppress the emotions and, and, and never learn to express emotion. I mean, I think it's changing now, right? I mean, there are definitely different generations. Yeah. And I see some Thank of my God. daughter's <laughs> male friends are amazing. And I'm like, wow, you know. This is great. But, um, you know, my generation and the generation before and my father and I mean, you know, I don't I don't even know what that must be like, you know, to censor yourself all the time. I mean, I so, so, I so, yeah, exactly. I think it's very important that we that we give um, girls and boys um, the ability to express emotions and to be who they want to be you know Britta thank you you are you are a, an oracle full of wise words I shall long remember this conversation um and your book I think is absolutely brilliant fears to fears a woman's guide to owning her power we all need to own our power 
um, to harness our strength and you are a huge inspiration thank you so much thank you for joining me um, I've loved chatting to you me too thank you so much for having me and thank you for the work that you do and and I hope to meet you in real life really soon yeah likewise likewise <laughs> uh, bring on bring on June that's what I say um, that's yes. it for today if you enjoyed that then do please rate review subscribe leave us a comment tell your friends to listen to and we will be back soon thanks very much bye bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.